Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome into Cane and Company. You and me on the radio until noontime today. Want to say good morning, good morning to all police and fire personnel, civil servants, health care employees, and good old number 41. Now we got lots to talk about today, lots going on, and I hope you're going to be part of it. First hour this morning, you and I are going to chat, but we can't possibly begin without, of course, the uh, ability to hear from one Peter J. Wiggins. Good morning, Mr. Wiggins. There he is, buddy. How you doing? What's happening? Doing good today. Today is the day that the MIAA tourney brackets will be released, Barb. Boys and girls, basketball and hockey. All righty. Okay. Number two. And today at one, I'm going over to the Bargain Bruin for the Boston Marathon fundraiser and raffle for Cameron Bowman, who is running into the 2024 Boston Marathon for the Doing Patriots Foundation. All righty. And number three. Three, I'm going to take advantage of early voting for the presidential primary at Dorton Town Hall. All right. Now say that one again. You're doing what? I'm going to take advantage of early voting at Norton Town Hall for the Massachusetts presidential primary. Oh, good. All right. You're going to do early voting. Now, you are you writing in my name as your candidate? No. No? Well, what do you mean? What are you laughing at? I, could, yes, I, might be, right. I might be. Yes, I right. might be good. You never know. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, buddy. Thanks so much. I'll talk to you soon. Thank okay. Shalom. Shabbat shalom, buddy. All right. Bye bye. There goes Peter J. Wiggins, the honorary mayor of um, Norton, Massachusetts. Oh, thank you, Peter. Nice job. All right. Now, um, I'm thinking of doing something. I'm going to do it today, but I'm thinking of doing something ongoing. Um, as you know, I try to have a, a, a guest with me on the air every hour. I try to do different things, you know, unless sometimes we do something special, but normally every hour. And um, I've been thinking lately, I really, there's a lot of things I want to talk to you about and I, the things I think you would like to comment on. So um, in this hour, I'm going to just talk to you about some things that, that bother me or concern me or interest me. And I'm going to invite you to call in. I mean, it is a talk show. And it would be great if you uh, were to uh, chime in with your, your opinion or your, your vision of things. Okay? So... Um, so when we get rolling uh, in the morning, so maybe on a first hour, we'll talk about local issues, national issues, international issues, political stuff, and invite you to chime in. If not, I'll just have time to, to vent. And believe me, I have a lot of venting I want to do. This is still uh, Black History Month, of course. And um, I hope you'll uh, take the time to talk to your kids or your grandchildren about what that means and how important that is. Especially when there are people trying to change history with their uh, CRT foolishness. So I hope you'll 
you'll do something there. I do want to remind you that next Sunday, a week from tomorrow, Lisa Powers will be here in the city. Uh, Lisa Powers, is, a, is a, you heard last week, is a, is a terrific medium. Uh, and uh, she'll come in for, she's raising funds for the Nikki O Foundation, which is one of the facets of the Greater Attleboro Area Council for Children. So she'll be here uh, next Sunday, 2 o'clock, and I hope you'll, uh, you'll come to join us. If you'd like to get details on ticket prices and time, it's 2 o'clock. It's going to be here at the Attleboro Industrial Museum. It's right next door to the station here. And I invite you to come see Lisa. If you haven't experienced this, you really should give yourself the gift of it. Because you will, you may not only hear from someone that you feel has somehow gone, that you've lost, or you will experience and witness someone else getting signs and information from someone who they feel that, you know, that has passed in their lives, checking in to let us all know that our loved ones don't go anywhere. Our loved ones stay right here. Just like you wouldn't leave them, they're not leaving you. So Lisa Powers, terrific spiritual medium, will be uh, here in Attleboro next Sunday, 2 o'clock at the Attleboro Industrial Museum, 2 o'clock. And to get tickets and all the other information, you can go to councilforchildren.org. Councilforchildren.org, okay? Okay. Um, one of the things I did want to talk to you about, by the way, was, and you can call in any time if you'd like, if you got something on your mind you'd like to talk about at 508-222-1320. 508-222-1320. Easy. You call, you'll be on the air, and you can vent anything you'd like. Okay? All righty. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about today, uh, to uh, mention to you at least, it, it really f to thank you for all of the notes and the Facebook messages and phone calls and um, support that we've gotten, my whole family has gotten um, at the anniversary of the uh, Station Nightclub fire last week. Uh, actually, this past week. Uh, the Sun Chronicle was kind enough to to run a guest column for us um, uh, that I know touched a lot of people and had a lot of people thinking because I received comments about those and I really appreciate your acknowledgement of that, not just for our family, not just for Nick, but 
but for all of the people who have been affected by that fire, the thousands of people who have been affected by that fire, and the thousands and thousands more who can learn the lesson I wrote about in the Sun Chronicle this week with their with, with learning the lesson that we all need to learn from that horrible incident. So I, it's really important to me that I thank you for that. Because it doesn't, you know, fall on deaf ears. Um, it's really very much appreciated. So thanks. 508-222-1320. 508-222-1320. So is the world going to hell in a handbasket or what? There are so many things happening. So many things going on. So many nutburger actions happening in and around our world. I don't, it, 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 it's unbelievable. And there are so many things to change and fix. There are so many things that don't make sense. They don't make sense. By the way, at 10 o'clock this morning, Stephanie Elliott will be here. She's the chairperson for the uh, Human Rights Commission in Attleboro. At 11 o'clock, uh, Eric Essling is uh, going to be on. He's with the River Phoenix Center for Peacebuilding. The River Phoenix Center for Peacebuilding. And we'll talk to him about what that organization is attempting to do. And it's, it, it, it's right timing for this. It's right timing for this. To talk about peace, tranquility, chilling out a bit, backing up a little bit. There are so many things to talk about. There are so many crazy things going on now. And having a what is promises to be an international institute to try to do something to bring some peace to the world instead of the other craziness going on. There's a couple of things I want to talk to you about, and uh, I'm hoping you'll listen. I'm hoping you'll you'll chime in. I'm hoping you'll you'll tell me if it's just me, because that that's the question I always have: Is it just me? Is it is it just me? Am I am I not get? I mean, am I the only one that sees it this way? Am I? Because you look at this and you think, why isn't anybody else seeing this this way? 
We'll talk about that in a minute, okay? Not right, you and me on the radio till noon time today. So I'm trying to think of, of some of the things that I wanted to chat with you about, and I wanted to be able to, uh, you know, uh, get your feeling on, or at least vent my feelings. I mean, you know, I have a radio show every week. It's a great gift uh, for me to be able to, to say what I think and uh, to be able to have, a, well, a good what, two or three people hear it, right? Terrific. Now, there are many things going on now that have got me completely perplexed and confused. The, the newest one, the newest one is, is in Florida where the, uh, uh, the health department in Florida has decided that they are not going to protect their children from the possibility of getting measles. They've got the health head, the health department head down there, who has decided that they are not going to close schools where incidents of measles have shown. They are not going to uh, bar children from going to school who have been diagnosed with measles. And here is another instance where the health department or I should say the people who, who are completely freaking clueless, are willing to make decisions that will endanger the very lives of our children. And our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren, I know we're all old. <clears throat> it's really un unbelievable. You have this deal going on now in Florida where the kids are going to be exposed to measles. I think there were like six cases down there and, and they have done nothing to, to uh, block those people from, from either going to school or, or closing the school until they can figure out what's going on. And it's just, like, here's one of those, you know, is it just me? Am I missing something here? You know, we got that, that local yokel dummy who, who came into the station here who, wanted, who was upset because his children were being forced to wear a mask during COVID in school. And he wanted to, to take that away. He wanted to endanger his own children's lives. Because what he didn't know about COVID would fill volumes. And this guy who's, uh, who's by the way, his hobby is to uh, run in elections and never win. This guy sat in the studio and told me that he wanted, he was fine with his children being endangered. Their health being endangered. This is the same thing that's going on in Florida now. Some dummy who happens to be in a position to do something has gone against all kinds of better knowledge and is willing to, to have these kids exposed to me. Now, measles is really 
can be a very dangerous affliction. It's a dangerous disease. And I cannot imagine, well, I guess I don't have to imagine because it's happening, but I cannot imagine somebody doing this. It's, it's absolutely stunning. Hello, you're on the radio. I have a, I have a question for you. Sure. Um, the issue of wearing masks during COVID. Yeah. What was what was the main purpose for wearing a mask during COVID? You don't know that. I'm I'm asking you the question. But, Please respond. But what you but you know the answer, right? I I would like to hear your. Well, answer. no, but I want to know. Do you know the answer? Yes, I do. Okay, and what I is got it? it? From a car. If you cough or sneeze, if you have currently have the COVID virus. It will prevent the spread of molecules in a lesser radius around people around you. That's the only thing wearing a mask did. Well, that's not and true. COVID. See, that, that's, I'm sorry you're misinformed, but it isn't true. Okay. Because if I am standing next to somebody who has COVID and doesn't have a mask on and they sneeze, I have my mask on and protects me from uh, inhaling and taking in those particles. Okay, so okay, those so particles were 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 point zero one microns. Well, that's all. Time. You know, that, are you are you a parent? No, and what you're doing? What you're are, doing? Are you as a parent, sir? Sir, are you, are you a parent, sir? You I'm have a children. Parent. Okay, good. Uh, are you willing to endanger your grandchildren's lives with your uh, betting that nobody's going to get something from it? Are you willing to put your grandchildren's lives no, on the line? No. Well, then, what no, are you calling me about not. then? Then why are you? What do you? What, mo, what point are you making? You can't handle the fact that somebody asked you a question about wearing a mask during. COVID. I think I'm handling it and fine. You're, a, you're, the longer you talk, the dumber you sound. You, so I'm doing fine. Good. So I had a car a cardiologist at Mass General oh, who it, told man. me. The whole point of wearing a mask is to prevent you, if you have COVID, from spreading it. I said, Dr. Carlson, if I wear the mask and somebody has COVID and coughs and sneezes around me, I said, well, these paper masks that we're wearing here now, will that prevent me from getting COVID? He said, no. COVID is spread through the eyes, nose, and mouth. Your turn. My turn what? Where am I wrong on that statement? Well, you, I, well, I don't know where you're wrong. I don't know if you're saying what he actually said. How do I know that? Wow. Well, how do I know? Sir. Well, how do I know? I you ask, call and you, you tell me take, something I'm supposed to take, take as fact? How is it? How are you possibly well, going to take that as fact? He, this man is a cardiologist. I don't know if he's a cardiologist. I know a lot of doctors oh, you know who what? I know a lot of you doctors know, who you, couldn't. You, I know a lot of doctors who couldn't find their ass with people? both hands in a mirror. That doesn't mean to me that just because he's got a cardiology degree doesn't mean to me that he knows what he's talking about on the, in that conversation. 
By the really? way, when he got his when he got his his medical degree, COVID didn't exist. And the point is. And the point is, how do I know he has any knowledge at all of what the reality is about the spreading of that disease? What did Anthony Fauci tell us during COVID about I, wearing a mask? He told you to wear one. Yeah, he absolutely. Okay, so and at one point he said wear two masks. Okay. In so. the very beginning, he told us not to wear masks. Mm-hmm. Okay? Well, that's what education's about, right? But you still haven't told me if you're willing to take what you've learned from that doctor and and put your grandchildren's lives on the line, betting that he was I'm right. Willing to listen, I, I I will listen to him instead of some jackass talk radio host who has three listeners. Okay. His words mean something. Yours don't. Well, now I'm, gonna have, angry, now I'm going to have two. You're just another angry, liberal, massive. <laughs> I got it. I got him to say it. I got him to say it. Being, that you cannot handle being challenged. I'm ch- I'm, I'm, you're still and on the air, having, aren't you? What do you mean I can't handle it? You're still on the air, honey. A civil conversation. You're, you talk over well, me. Well, who's yelling? And then you get angry who's yelling? Civil conversation? Who's yelling? A civil conversation? Who's yelling? You. You were the one that raised your You're yelling, first, sir. Okay? So you're yelling. You you're screaming. You're charging me. You. you are screaming me. Oh, you didn't you stand up to anybody. Sir, you're you're on a phone. You didn't stand up to anybody. You're on a oh, phone. Blow me, pal. Oh, isn't that charming? Isn't that charming? Look who's on your side. <laughs> oh, my dear Jesus. <laughs> Thank you. I couldn't have asked for anything more. All right, you be on the radio. <laughs> you know, that call was like the old days. <laughs> that call was like the old days. Somebody is going to call up and he's going to tell me off. First of all, by the way, we're down to two listeners because I'm sure that guy has changed the channel by now. <clears throat> Not. So somebody calls up and he says, the only reason you wear a mask is if you have COVID. Well, first of all, isn't that enough? As my wife would tell you, isn't that enough? Because if you think about it, when all of this, even now, when all this is going on, people don't know they have COVID until they've been tested. They may have COVID and not even realize it. That's going on many times. So you should be wearing a mask or should have been wearing a mask then. In, in that case, that's not enough. And why these people are so upset about wearing a mask. And obviously this guy is, is willing, that called, is willing to bet the lives of his grandchildren on what some cardiologist told him in Boston. And then all of a sudden I was a liberal. <laughs> uh, then he, you know, then he gave me an invitation. It sounds charming, but I'm gonna pass. <laughs> this is this this is what talk radio is supposed to be. You know, when people call 
And they don't realize that the longer they talk, the dumber they sound. I didn't get angry. He went crazy. And, and, and that's fine. I understand. You know, when you, when you can't express what you really want to say, when you are ill-equipped communications-wise, you get frustrated. And you, you lash out. And you realize how foolish your premise was to begin with. And by the way, um, call, <laughs> calling me names and saying what you said is, you know, listen, I've been, I've been insulted by professionals. You know, you, 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 you're an amateur. And to presume that you're standing up to them, what are you standing up to? I'm not, I'm not challenging you on anything. You're standing up to me for what? You, you called to give your opinion and you fell on your face. Don't be angry with me. Learn to communicate. Learn to think. Here's somebody who is arguing that we never should have been forced, quote, forced, end quote, forced, to to wear a mask. The other yutz that came in here and was willing to endanger his children's lives by not wanting them to wear... I mean, how, how foolish can this be? How foolish can you be? I talked to a doctor, and that man is a doctor. And that man is a doctor. <laughs> Oh, my dear. Help me. Oh, I mean, it, 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 I, I've enjoyed I enjoyed that so much that I, I'm getting distracted now. <laughs> that was great. 508-222-1320 if you'd like to play. 508-222-1320 if you'd like to, you know, chime in. Didn't go very well for that poor boy. By the way, he hung up. I didn't hang up on him. He, 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 you know, he hung up. He, he ran. Uh, not me. Okay. I left him on. And I left what he said on the air. I could have taken that off the air, of course. I could have bumped it, dumped it off the air. We have a delay system, and I could have. But, but I wanted you to hear exactly who this was and exactly what they had to say. But I gotta tell you, personally, I, I got I got personally I gotta tell you. I would not um, I would not endanger my children's lives, my grandchildren's lives, the lives of my family and my friends over some 
foolishness of... I, I don't even know what makes people think this. I don't know why somebody would be so upset about this. This guy's calling because what? Because the government told him he had to wear a mask? Is that, that must be it because all of a sudden I was a liberal. Um, so my guess is that this is somebody who's... Um, a conservative who is upset the government telling him something. I wonder why he's not upset about the government jumping in now and deciding that two parents can't work diligently to have a child. The IVF conspiracy now and situation now where the government, where I, where I, a Supreme Court is going to say that they not only can they not work or have the medical facilities to get pregnant, to get pregnant, not terminate a pregnancy, to get pregnant, is outlawed. And the woman, by the way, whose embryos are hers and in a, in a clinic, frozen, she is not entitled to those embryos. This is her body and her husband's contribution together. And those embryos are not hers? Why isn't this guy upset about that? Why has this guy got his panties in a, in a knot because somebody told him to wear a mask? I'm not getting it. I'm, I'm not getting it. And, and you haven't stood up to anything, sir. You can be deluded and, and think you've stood up for something. You gave an opposing opinion. That doesn't make you Audie Murphy. It doesn't make you John Wayne. Frankly, it made you rather an abysmal failure on talk radio when you, you lost, lost it, started screaming at me and trying to insult me. You, you can't possibly insult me. You see, in order to be insulted by anyone, I first have to have respect for that person. If I don't respect the individual who's ringing my doorbell and running, I'm not, I'm not offended. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not. I, I was delighted to hear it. <laughs> and here's, here's the thing about this now. Here's, what, here's something that I do think about. For years we used to have, um, people would call to our radio and hang up and all that stuff. You know. And I used to think to myself, like this guy, he was all angry and he yelled things at me and et cetera. And I used to think to myself, now, what happened? What would happen if at that moment the guy got so upset that he had a heart attack and dropped dead? And he goes to the pearly gates, and he's standing there. And St. Peter says to him, <clears throat> okay, now, um, <clears throat> you were... Um, 
What were you doing the last moment before you died? What were you doing the last moment before you died? Well, I, uh, I, well, I mean, were you, were you, were you, were you caring for the sick? Uh, no, uh, no, no, no. Were, were, you, were you feeding the hungry? Maybe were you, were you help out. You're feeding the hungry, but uh, no, no. Uh, did you maybe make, were you making a contribution for the homeless? Were you made, uh, no, no. Or maybe maybe you were giving blood. Were you giving blood? Were you someplace giving blood? No, no, I wasn't doing that. Well, what what were you doing the last minute before you died? And this guy says. I told Dave King to blow me. All righty, you and me on the radio till noontime today. 508 222 1320. You and me on. <laughs> I'm, I'm, this is delightful. I, I am just loving uh, the call I got this morning. I thank you very much. And so I'm a, th- those are the things that I think of when, when something like that happens. So I'm trying to figure out what, what do these nutburgers. Uh, and primarily, uh, unfortunately, they're Republicans now and conservatives and MAGA nutburgers who have decided that, A, they don't want anybody terminating a pregnancy, but they don't want anybody starting a pregnancy. So the IVF thing is completely confusing to me. Completely. I mean, this, 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 this sanctity of life thing is charming until somebody calls your bluff. Until somebody calls your bluff. You know, years ago when I started out in radio, uh, I, I fought, as I have now, against capital punishment. The taking of a life is the taking of a life. It's wrong, period, done. And the phrase I... I used to say um, when we'd hear people in favor of capital punishment who also claimed to read the Bible and believed in the Bible, right? And the phrase I used to use was, was life is sacred until you steal my stereo. That's how old this is. It was a stereo. <laughs> not my iPhone, not my iPad. So people decided they knew exactly what the value of life was uh, based on their stuff. But if, but if somebody were to steal from them or, 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 or be, a, be a treasoner, treason, to be a treasoner, you could lose your life for, for committing treason. When we decide that only certain life has our okay, that's when we show who we are. That's when we show who we are. And it's amazing to me that these people, these 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 people who who are in many cases uh, Bible thumping nutburgers who 
who use this for their own devices. Now IVF is out of the question. We're going to control that. We're going to control what happens during your pregnancy that may or may not endanger your own life. What happens with a 10-year-old girl who is raped and is forced to go to term? Does anybody know what's going on here? Does anybody have a clue? It's really interesting to listen to. It's really stunning to watch. And then, of course, then we get into a bunch of other areas. At 10 o'clock this morning, uh, Stephanie Elliott's going to be here. She's, she's the chairperson uh, for the uh, Attleboro Human Rights Commission. And we had two city councilors who refused to sign a resolution endorsing that everyone should have equal rights. Every oxygen-breathing individual should have human rights. It was stunning to me. As you know, I've been talking about it for a while now, and I'm going to continue to talk about it. And in two years, when the election comes, I'm going to be talking about it then. I happen to know that a couple of people have decided that they may want to run against certain counselors when the time comes. The plans are being made. And I can't wait. I can't wait. Now on Tuesday we're going to have a, a presentation in front of the city council and Stephanie will tell us about it. And I'm going to be very interested in seeing who votes and how when that time comes. How is it we have decided, who is it in your life has decided that, that, that certain life doesn't deserve to be? Who harmed you in your life? Who has frightened you so badly in your life? Because my experience has always been that, that, that discrimination and hate and, and anger all come from fear. Show me someone who has a problem with, with another human being. Just that the human being exists or they have a certain lifestyle, a certain belief a certain skin color. And I will show you someone who is fearful of them, fearful of their approach, fearful of what they have to say. 
fearful of their message. Even though in most cases they probably don't even know what the message is. Because they haven't bothered to sit and find out. You know, our son Nick um, wrote a play a year before he died. And the play was called They Walk Among Us. And the play is about teenagers who die and come back as angels. And in the play, the three angels, the three teen angels who, who come back, are helping a young man. They, they come back to help a young man who is struggling with his sexuality, struggling with his homosexuality. And the three angels, and the play itself has one message, and the message is that God loves you no matter what. You do measure up. You are the same. You are equally blessed. Nikki wrote this when he was 16. Because he saw what was going on And it drove him crazy to see how certain members of our communities were being treated. He was tormented by the hurt that he saw happening. Nick was not somebody to keep his mouth shut. Nick spoke out. Nick said what he thought. And he wrote about what he believed. And he certainly did that in this movie, in this uh, play, excuse me. It's about to be a movie. We really need to, to, to learn from people. We really need to, to open up. We need to listen. And we need to challenge people who, who have decided that they know what's best for the world, who should be allowed to live, who should absolutely be put to death, who deserves to have a chance to leave a, an area of the world that, where their, their children and their families are being harmed. And the awful things that go on in the world. We need to do something. Yes, it, it's very difficult, but this, this, this concept, I mean, you've had people, I mean, I've heard people talking about dropping a bomb on the southern border on, as they're crossing the water. Just drop a bomb on them. I'm not kidding. I'm not making that up. 
we don't, we don't, I know we don't want them to, oh my Lord, we don't want them in this country because all of them, of course, all of the people coming, all of the little children, all of the wives, all of the husbands, all of them, they're all, they're all carrying fentanyl and they're all going to break in your house and they're all going to take your jobs and uh, they're going to turn the, um, the country into some crazy collection of gangsters and thugs. And <laughs> you hear it? Do you hear it? Do you hear what they say? It's all based in fear. I told you earlier, right? All of this is based in fear. Frightened to death. On the Statue of Liberty, it says, give us your tired, your poor, your huddled masses, bring them here. Well, that's good until somebody actually wants to do it. And when you stop and think and realize that all of the people who came to this country, who, the ancestors of all of the people who are screaming and yelling now, came to this country on a boat or a Across the Canadian border, maybe. I don't know. They came to this country and, and, and took the land away from the Indians and then dragged a bunch of African, African citizens over to be slaves. That's why we're... See, that's why people are upset about CRT critical race theory, they're afraid to death because they don't want their children, they think they can keep their children as ignorant as they are, but they, they're afraid of their children knowing what their ancestors were like and what they did to black people in this country. They don't want the children to know. They don't want to admit it. They don't want to, they're frightened to death for anybody to know who they really are. what they really are. They are frightened to death. Show me all of the people that, 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 that have talked about so many different things. How this person doesn't measure up and that person doesn't measure up and that. Think about it. And in a lot of cases, it's not your fault. Initially, because you've been trained this way, you've been brought up this way to believe this. You've been indoctrinated into thinking stupidly. You have been indoctrinated into deciding that anybody that isn't you, that anybody that doesn't look like you, that anybody that doesn't love like you do, doesn't feel what you feel, that somehow they don't count. 
Somehow they don't measure up. Oh, somehow they just they just they just make you nervous. They just un, you're unsettled. Don't listen. Don't 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 live your life in in fear. This guy that called this morning is frightened to death. He went nuts because he couldn't take it. That's why I wasn't worried about him. I feel bad for him. But you know, sometimes the longer we talk, if we just listen to ourselves, we realize that we're not making a lot of sense. We realize that we're just off the mark. Oh well. That happens. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. Stephanie Elliott is going to be with us. I hope you'll stay tuned for that. Okay? All righty. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Second hour, Canning Company. You, me, on the radio. Until noontime today. Want to say good morning, good morning to all police and fire personnel, civil servants, health care employees, and good old number 41. All right, Nick. And it's you and me on the radio. If you missed the first hour this morning, you missed a good. <laughs> and uh, I was going to say I, I had started with three um, listeners. I'm down to two. But no, that guy's still listening. I, he's now one of my prisoners. He can't go anywhere. He's got to listen to every hour and every show. Now I want to talk to somebody very special, someone who I have uh, just met. Um, her name is Stephanie Elliott, and she is the chairperson for the Attleboro Area, Attleboro uh, Human Rights Commission. Good morning, Miss Elliott. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Oh, are you kidding? I'm thrilled to have you on. Lots of stuff going on. First of all, let's talk a little bit about what is the Human Rights Commission? What? Do, what? Do you, I didn't even know we had one, right? I, I didn't no either before a year ago. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, we are an advisory council to the mayor's office, a volunteer council, and... Um, Human rights is a very broad term, so, you know, it covers a lot of things from, you know, personal self-expression, housing issues, to hate and discrimination issues of civil rights violations, things like that. We're concerned with um, documenting, record-keeping, and possibly helping to remedy situations when somebody feels like their human rights might be, you know, in, in being compromised. Mm -hmm. Can you give me an example of when someone might feel that? Tell me something that sure. happens. Um, you know, if you say you're a small business owner and you come to work in the morning and you find hateful graffiti on your building, you know, that would be something That'd that... That would be a tip, yeah. Yeah, yeah that would yeah. be definitely something that the yeah. Human Rights Council would be concerned with and, sure. and want to document and put, potentially help you with. Mm-hmm, yeah. And advise the mayor's office and any other relevant parties about the situation. Now, how about this graffiti at the park that everybody was screaming about? Talk to me about that. For people who don't know what it's about, explain it. A few months ago in the Balfour River Park, some graffiti was located. Um, It was very hateful in nature. I hate to, uh, you know, minimize it, but it was it was kind of standard stuff. You see it all over the place. Um, And 
at the time, one of our counselors was nearby and was able to speak with the librarians about it and help cover it up, and so therefore it was brought to our attention. Um, and out of that, we, the mayor suggested that we issue an anti-hate resolution. Okay. Mm-hmm. So. Um, but not everybody signed it. No. Um, they didn't have to. We are an advisory council, and whatever advice we give to the and recommendations we give to the mayor and municipal council, it's they're not obligated to follow. No, I understand that. But what what uh, can you give me a, an example of, of why somebody wouldn't want to do that? I mean, do you have any idea why someone would say, "No, no, I'm not going to make a public." statement to everybody that I think everybody is equal. What would the motivation be for that? Do you know? Um, I don't. Um, The uh, Everybody has their own point of view when it comes to how they approached the situation and um, the reasons they gave for not wanting to sign are their own. So we... You know that that was kind of the end of that. The problem, well, no, it isn't the end of no, that. No, I mean, not, I mean, it might be the end of your your answer, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it isn't the end of it because, sure. first of all, these city councilors have all made a pledge <clears throat> to support the Constitution of the United States, mm-hmm. uh, and under the Constitution, uh, that would be an anti-American action, and right. these people should be standing up against it. So my question is, where's the logic? What, what's the thing? I mean, I know these people are afraid to death, but I don't understand why. I agree. I, I couldn't begin to understand somebody else's perspective mm-hmm. and their motivations for their actions. But um, the only thing you can do is, is just you know, hope that the efforts you make to you know, help your community or improve your community or the positive messages that you try to get out are, are welcomed and, you know, mm. shared by all. Have you, uh, have you spoken to any of these people um, who decided not to sign? Not directly, no, I have not. Why? Um, that's not quite the role of the chairperson. No, no, no. For no, I mean, as, as, as an American citizen. Oh, <laughs> No, you, I have you, not. Yeah. I have not had the opportunity to have that a direct discussion with them. Yeah, no, I have not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to get a chance to see them on Tuesday, right? On Tuesday. And isn't Tuesday the um, you're going to present the diversity? Oh uh, no, we already did. That was this oh, past they didn't, Tuesday. Oh, they're going to vote for it. Um, yes, the this coming Tuesday. I don't know when the vote will be taking place. Unfortunately, I do not have that information. But this past Tuesday, there was a public hearing in support, well, mm-hmm. to present the Diversity Commission yeah. Committee to uh, the Municipal Council, and uh, quite a good amount of people showed up to speak in support of it, which mm-hmm. was yeah. really um, exciting. Okay. And did we hear anything from the councilors? Um, not yet. Basically, no, I mean that night. Oh, um, well, they were. it was just a hearing, so, you know, they listened to um, everyone's points of view and um, asked some questions about... Uh, the motivations for you know the speakers to come out and and speak in support of it. Uh, they did ask a few of the mem- uh, community um, leaders if they would possibly participate and join the committee once it was formed. Um, 
but uh, I don't know exactly when it will be voted on. Um, th the committee was proposed by the mayor, and then um, President Delisio uh, has to send it to the ordinance committee, which is made up of Todd Cobus, Diana Holmes, and Jonathan Tavares, <laughs> who is the chair. And so then he would bring the business forth in that committee. Yeah, okay. I'm and sorry, I just thought of something funny. It's okay. And then from there, it's subject to all to a vote by the rest of the council. So um, mm. he would have to bring that business forth and okay. therefore vote on mm -hmm. it. Yeah. I can't believe that I'm so, I feel rather foolish because I worked in this town in the 80s mm -hmm. at this station. And in my impression and over the years since then, when were you born? 1981. See what I mean? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> since then, um, I'd always had this image of Attleboro, mm -hmm. you know. And in the last year and a half or so, I have been really shaken mm -hmm. by the realities of so many things. Um, the discrimination, yeah. the under-the-table under hate. Yeah, there are undertones everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. really something. Um, I sort of think it's funny because uh, now the mayor, we had a, a mayor, we had Mayor Haro. Mm -hmm. And Mehro and I were not pals. Oh. <laughs> but I had really promoted that he run for sheriff. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I was a big promoter. I, I get credit for saying it first <laughs> in the letter to the Sun Chronicle mm -hmm. that I wasn't kidding. I really thought he'd make a great sheriff. Okay. And he is making a great sheriff. And he, um, I just saw a story where he is attempting to cut down the number of suicides. Yes, I saw that this morning. In Bristol County. In the newspaper. Tremendous. Yeah. I knew he would do a good job there, mm -hmm. and I still think. And he has a lot of background uh, helping people walk from suicide, because mm -hmm. I think he's had to talk maybe three of his ex-girlfriends off a ledge. That's so weird. I Okay. <laughs> I was gonna say. She, take it's a not, look on her. It's not no. a good track record. <laughs> no, if you dated him, you'd understand. <laughs> <Yeah>. But <laughs> no, <laughs> that was a joke. Yes, um, that's a good joke. But I mean, you know, he's he's done a, a great job. Mm -hmm. You know, so he gets it. He gets it about people. Now here's a guy. People tell you he thinks he's the smartest person in the room, and I've had to educate him on a couple of things having <laughs> to do with the Constitution. But, but. I knew he would be a damn good sheriff. Mm -hmm. And he is showing that he is. Big time. Let's hope that continues. Big time. Yeah. So it's not about disagreeing with somebody. It's about sure. understanding there are basic understanding. There are basic reasons. There are basic things. And certainly he understands that, that just because someone's in, a, in jail mm -hmm. doesn't mean he's scum. Right. Or her. Yeah. It, it, you know, it, that's one of the things that he's been able to to show clearly. Yeah, I like that he mentioned in the article that they, you know, the people who are doing the work to remedy the situations um, that lead to um, the ease of, you know, of, of the, the, like the beds and the way the bars were and the windows that the actually through an education program in the prison that, you know, the prisoners are learning how to weld and learning trades and learning how to do the repairs 
Um, yes. That's a you know marketable skill for when they when they're done in there. Right, right. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things, but my my point is that he holds human life to be valuable, mm-hmm. regardless of how you come upon the person. Right. In what in whatever circumstance you come on. Yeah. Or whatever circumstance they're living in. Mm-hmm. There's still. There's still value there. Yeah. Absolutely. Of course. Of course. And he certainly is showing that, and I think that article is a great example of it. So when we have somebody, uh, when we have a city councilor, and this is just me talking, not Mm -hmm. you, a city councilor, who took the oath of office twice already to be a councilor, Mm -hmm. calling for the the preservation and the protection of the Constitution, and he breaks that oath. He is also allegedly an attorney, and to become a, a member of the bar, you have to swear to the, the same basic oath. Broken that as well. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting. He's the chairman of what committee? The ordinance. Oh yes. Committee. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they bring forth uh, business for cr- the creation of additional committees. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll yes. see. Um, well, it's important work. Um, the diversity committee uh, is necessary and important. So I do hope that we get a result on a vote really soon. Yeah, it is really something. Uh, we need to to do something about what's going on in here. All, the, all, all around the city. Mm-hmm. All around. Well, there's, um, in my opinion, the diversity committee is... It's an opportunity for more people to become involved in um, policy and legislation. How? Well, right now, you know, the representatives in government don't reflect the population of Attleboro. There are many underrepresented groups who need to be able to see themselves reflected in their community leaders. And a diversity committee will be an, a great opportunity for a community, you know, community leaders to be influencing policy, to be advising the mayor's office, to be advising municipal council on the issues and the concerns and the challenges of their own, you know, specific groups, these, um, you know, black and brown communities who just don't see themselves in, in the people who hold government positions currently. Mm. Um, and you know, the, creating a diversity committee with a specific mission to bridge that gap, to communicate to these communities and to help lift them up in a proactive way mm. is critical. You know, the, the landscape is, is changing. Um, the, the population is, is growing, and these groups need a voice. It's interesting to me because one of the biggest disappointments in this deal with, with Tavares is that he himself is a man of color and that he and his family would be the first target of any serious problems having to do with anti-anything. And for him not to be more sensitive and to appreciate that has really troubled me. You know, I said on the air the other day, I met him, he came, he sat where you're sitting now, mm-hmm. came in, liked him immediately, smart, mm-hmm. nice man, uh, but he hid what he thought. He never told anybody before he was elected what his real feelings were. Mm. 
he hit it. Okay. And I felt, I said, yeah, I felt like I had been broken. My, my heart was broken after speed dating. <laughs> <laughs> you meet him, you meet him, you go, oh, boy, he sees it, right? Mm -hmm. And then you find out what the, the foibles are. Sure. So that's a, a big problem to me. The other thing that's uh, happened, and I want to talk about this because this is important, this whole deal going on um, with the Woke magazine. The, I'm sorry, the what? Woke. Woke? You're not familiar with this? No, I don't think that I am. Well, I guess I didn't begin. Um, North Attleboro, the, 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 trying to get the book off the shelves in school. Oh, go on. <laughs> that, that was the name of the book. Oh, gosh. was Woke. Okay. Yeah. And that, of course, had to do with these Yutso parents who decided that they were concerned that, um, that the book spoke about gay issues and mm -hmm. and defending yourself and speaking up for who you are and everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's it, it, it's two sides of the same coin. Right. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about that a little bit because they were able to get the book taken out of a school and then it hit the fan. Yes. And it's back in now. But that whole structure of how that happened is really important. It happened to be in North Attleboro, mm -hmm. but it doesn't matter. It doesn't. There are plenty of groups who are working very energetically to um, to push for book bans and things like that. We that is something that the ACHR is concerned about. That we try to keep um, on our radar. Obviously, LGBTQ plus rights are human rights, and it's one particular facet of human rights that our particular council is very focused on. Um, all of us are either part of that community or we have family in that community or, you know, it's just a particular community that we're all very attached to. And um, so things like that, you know, are, are, in, are personally distressing. Um, we are aware that there's a major push legislation all across the country um, that you know, affects, directly affects the LGBTQ plus community. You know, you, you know first but, thing they've got to do is they've got to get well, rid of that name. <laughs> it's a little, it, it, you know, people screw it up all the time. Yeah, well, I mean, We've got to get know. a group name here that's easy to do. I'm serious. Sure, no, I understand. I'm, it is, I'm it's on a the lot. air, it's and I'm always putting it in the wrong order. Yeah, no, oh, it's okay. Know, yeah, okay, go ahead. But, you know, but um, what I was going to say is <clears throat> it's easy to dismiss the things that are happening in other states like Oklahoma or Alabama when they're so far away and think, oh, you know, th these things would never happen, under, you know, up here in Massachusetts. But they do. The efforts are there. the 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 groups are there. Uh, these groups have been labeled as hate groups. This is not, um, you know, theorizing or conspirizing. These, um, you know, these groups have a very specific mission, and they work very energetically. They are not passive. Oh yeah. yeah. So you know, we have to be just as energetic in our rejection of their ideals and our. Um, response to ensuring that they don't get a foothold on, you know, school committees and uh, and things like that, where they can affect these kinds of changes, where they're pulling books by black and brown authors off of shelves, and they're, you know, rejecting anything that has to do with, um, you know, the LGBT community and and so forth. Um, it it's it's frightening, but you know, 
good can prevail. We just have to work together. We have to be aware. We have to keep the conversation going and not overlook their efforts or dismiss them. It's, it's, it's really interesting because people need to know, again, <clears throat> that we are all more alike than we are different. Mm-hmm. Um, as I mentioned uh, before you came on about my son Nick, who wrote mm-hmm. that play, um, Nicky was brought up in a in a white uh, Italian Irish home, mm-hmm. you know. All you know, he had friends of all colors and all, and we didn't. We knew how the kids were brought up mm-hmm. because it's how we felt. Um, but we were surprised at his writing this play. Oh, yeah. We didn't know about it. Well, he had said to his mom that they had a, a play competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, an act called Children's Theater. And he w- wrote one. And uh, I, I, it was rejected because it was too, they said it was too spiritual. Okay. Too, you know, <laughs> that's what I understood. Mm-hmm. And w- then we never saw it. Yeah. And then after he passed, about well, a couple of weeks after he passed, his friend Kunkel, young lady friend of his, called us and said, Nikki had given her the the play he had written, mm-hmm. and she had looked at it. And she found it in the bottle, the bottom of her closet. Oh! And she said, "I don't know if you want it." That's sweet. We said, of course, we want it. Yeah. And um, we were going somewhere. I thought we were going, and Joanne was my wife is with me, and she was reading the play mm-hmm. to me as we were driving. Oh, I love that. And we couldn't get over it. Yeah. I mean. We knew our boy. Mm-hmm. He had the most amazing ability we knew to write music and mm-hmm. lyrics. This was unbelievable. Yeah. We ended up producing it for Rhode Island PBS, and and it is really stunning. Mm-hmm. And he was bothered by this and didn't really talk to us about it right. as much, but was just... And I'm thinking, 16, this kid gets it. Yeah. Well, I think that's all it takes, really, is when you're young and you go, wait a minute, I'm not sure if what I'm being told is correct. You know, when you're being told that, uh, you know, being gay is wrong or a sin or, or you know, there's something inherently immoral about it or... Mm -hmm. Um, Even if you're told by a cardiologist in Boston. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I just want to make sure. They're, just they're, clear that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This one cardiologist. Yeah, yeah, this one yeah. guy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think there's a moment that a lot of people have where they question, is what I'm being told correct? And you know, About yourself. Well, you know, about historically, yeah. um, you know, abused groups, you know, historically discriminated against groups. And if you have that moment, it's important to, you know, to listen to that little voice that tells you, you know, it's, it's not okay. You know, these people are just trying to live. They're just trying to have a happy life. How is it affecting me? It's not, it doesn't hurt me. It's not hurting anyone. But but but, But here's the problem. The problem is, and I agree, but the problem is, that what they hear isn't just, they're told absolute lies. Oh, I know. They're told that you can be cajoled into being gay. I know. They're told that you can be prayed out of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Please. Well, yeah. Right? Uh, entire communities are, are preached to this on a regular basis. Yeah. That it's just a, a question of, um, 
you know, uh, of pushing that, pushing those urges down, those immoral urges, and um, stop trying to tell somebody else what is moral or not moral. Like, just decide for yourself and leave it alone. But the, it is, it is, a, it's just terrifying, you know, that, that, you know, that you can have an entire congregation and, you know, hanging on your every word and your, and what you're choosing to say is, mm-hmm. you know, such hateful and, and mean-spirited yeah. garbage, essentially. And, it, and it's a terrible roadblock to people who are members of that community. Exactly. Of the gay community. Um, because they get their own doubts thrown at them, right? Exactly. You, mean, is there something wrong with me? Exactly. That, you can spend your entire life, you know, feeling horrible about yourself, which then leads to, you know, suicidal ideation and things like that. Um, that can affect your your well-being in in profound ways and you know and then you when you extricate yourself from that and you find your new community and you find acceptance you know especially as an adult and that's that's the whole like it gets better um you know uh hashtag movement um it gets better you get out of there you meet people who are you know, love you for who you are, who lift you up, and who can help guide you into being, a, you know, a healthier and successful person. And you just learn love and self-acceptance. And with and with with the the other thing is that you know it, it isn't just the gay community. I mean, mm-hmm. you have quote straight kids who are struggling with their own understanding, their own sexuality, their own heterosexual yes. sexuality. Of course. And people worry about who's going to get to them and. Oh, in the wrong way. I don't mean to turn no, gay. I, I I'm just yeah. saying get to them because they, they are frightened to death again, fear mm-hmm. of, of their children knowing about sex, yes. knowing that it exists, knowing that their parents, it's like the CTR, CRT thing, it's oh, that gosh. their parents actually used to get an erection. You oh, know what I mean? Oh, my God. Don't, don't let me, my daughter know that her father had an erection, oh, as dear. an example. I mean, just to start, I mean, it, it, it's everywhere. Yeah, and and we just we we drive ourselves crazy. It's like years and years ago, I talked about the drug program, and I was always in favor of having everything legalized mm-hmm. because if you have everything legalized now, you can they can get help. You, you can, can treat get halfway it. houses. You can treat it. You can As tax it. Mm-hmm. You can have the funds to be able to do something with it. Sure. You know, if you don't, you make it a crime. Now you you've made a cottage industry for for law enforcement and, and crime um, and putting people away mm-hmm. and etc and, and, and etc it's just we punch ourselves in the face constantly <laughs> that's true it it is it's like a self-fulfilling cycle you, mm. you punish you don't treat you punish you don't treat and it mm-hmm. and it continues and yeah. then um you know and we're seeing it especially mm. obviously with the opioid mm. you know endemic and then which is turning into what could be potentially even worse um, with fentanyl. It's, you know, unless you're willing to treat it at the cause, which is social programs, uh, you know, healthcare, comprehensive healthcare, uh, you know, it's just it's going to be a self-feeding cycle. Yeah, you've got you've got to help people to be able to reach the itch. Mm-hmm. You know, find out what it is that, that is really making the itch instead of taking yeah. something that's not going to help. At the origin, the source. What's mm. what's the source? You know, what causes uh, these things to happen? You know, when you have people working themselves to death, um, 
for uh, an hourly wage that's insufficient mm. and then they get hurt and they still have to work because they don't have the ability to stay at home and heal you know then that person is more likely to on the recommendation of their doctor start taking you know uh, wonder, pain I wonder, management I, 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 sorry, I wonder if there's any um, if there are any statistics on a number of people who found themselves addicted who were gay because Mm-hmm. because of the fight that they had to be who they are Absolutely. and the struggle that it was put upon them. Yes. And then they're, they're looking for comfort, for relief, for yes. solace, that comes and back they to, turn to a pill. That comes back to the right. damages of, uh, you know, the damage taken to your mental health when, you yeah. know, you have a society that's constantly telling you that just by existing that you're doing something wrong. And so, yeah, you look for ways to um, ease the pain of your simply trying to move through your life. Mm. Mm. Um, what so made you want to be the chairperson of this thing? <laughs> um, actually, I reached out to Lori, who was the chair, Lori when um, I wanted to volunteer at Pride. And okay. uh, she invited me to come join one of the meetings to see if, in addition to the Pride celebration, that the other events and uh, focuses that the Human Rights Council uh, works on might be something interesting to me. And I was, as soon as I came to one meeting, I was like, this is it. Uh, I I had always wanted to be... First one's always free. (laughs) (laughs) I'd always wanted to participate in public service. I wasn't sure how to approach that or begin. And so this was, um, you know, a perfect opportunity. And it's, it's exactly... It's exactly where my life has led me. All of the um, activism that I've uh, undertaken over the years, all of my personal beliefs, uh, I get to I get to actually create action now that could benefit my city, mm-hmm. which and my immediate community. And that was that was really the the biggest motivator. Mm-hmm. Is you know you see all these things happening in the world, like we're talking about with book bans and you know and um, concerns uh, with the LGBT community. And I'm like, you, you just get so overwhelmed and frustrated, and you don't know where to begin. And so I went, you know what? I got to begin right here, right in my own immediate vicinity. How do I just put something good in the world? And so that's what led me here, which is a great place to be. I'm so happy to be here. Now tell me about you a little bit. Tell me about, are you married? Or, uh, yes, yeah. I am married. I have two children. Great. And Tell me about the kids. Uh, what's that? Tell me about the kids. Um, they're 12 and 10. Oh, cool. Boys, and, girls? Um, oh. They're figuring things out. Okay. All <laughs> everything's, everything's Well, by, fine. for us <laughs> non-accommodist uh, people, a, a boy or girl? Um, I mean, Hol- their names are Hollis and Adeline. Okay, And they great. are delightful children. Okay. And incredibly smart and bright and mm. loving and... Um, See, that, that, what we just went through there... I think that's a problem. What's that? Well, when I asked you, boy or girl, mm-hmm. I think it's fine as you get older and you're trying to figure out who you are, what you are. Sure. But biologically, <laughs> you are born a man or a woman, physically. There's physically. a spectrum. There's still well, that's true. That's true. But yeah, you know what I'm... There's still a biological because spectrum. That, but that, the reason I point this out is because I think you understand I'm, on, I'm in your corner. <laughs> yes, I do. But I find, I find that kind of conversation 
muddies the view, befuddles mm-hmm. the people who, are, who may be trying to figure all of this out sure. and accept it. So you, bang into, so you bang into something they've been brought up with all their lives, mm-hmm. you know, there's mm-hmm. a guy, that's a girl. Now, the girl, <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just no, telling I, I you that that, that is, here's one of the big, in my opinion, this mm-hmm. is one of the biggest problems. Mm-hmm. Because, um, let me give you an example Sure. to this. I speak all the time about the signs that we get from our son, mm-hmm. Nikki. Mm-hmm. I wrote a book about it, uh, and I do his talk about it. And I show evidence of the signs that we have gotten mm-hmm. from Nikki. I mean, I have evidence yeah. of signs that we've gotten from Nick. And people are astounded by it. They, I've sold plenty of books. People mm-hmm. come to me. Okay. Next, next week... Lisa Powers, the medium, is going to be right next door. Oh, no way. On Sunday uh, to raise funds for Nikki's foundation. Mm -hmm. And she's going to be doing medium readings. You should come. (laughs) Okay. But while I'm, um, while I'm um, doing that, there are, there's one thing I don't talk about Mm -hmm. unless I'm asked. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's called EVPs. EVPs are electronic voice phenomenon. Oh, okay. Where people actually collect the voices mm-hmm. of people who have passed. Okay. I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah. But when I, if I start talking about that and it's not asked about, um, people start looking at me like, oh, come, <laughs> come on. Right. Will right. you please? You yeah. Know, oh, Oh great! Now is now is kids recording stuff. <laughs> oh, this is great. Sure, sure. That's yeah. what happens. Yeah. So I, get it. I don't bring volunteer. it up. I don't volunteer it unless right. somebody asks about it, and then, of course, you get into a, a comfortable setting, and and people really want to know. Then you play and you mm-hmm. talk. So when so I'm correlating that with what I just talked about to you. Do you see I understand. the correlation? Yes, I do understand. I absolutely understand and appreciate what you're into and what, 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 <laughs> what you're into, not, not by choice, but by what you do and what you believe. But when someone who's not a, a, a acclimated to it mm-hmm. asks a basic question, or to them as a basic question, sure, the answer, in order to help people be more educated, well, I think maybe help with, okay, I have a boy and a girl. For instance, I have a boy sure. and a girl, right? I think just by nature of uh, bringing it up to conversation and not being scared to um, refer to it, yeah, making people more used to it is is what I'm saying. Like you know, by answering the question without using those um, standard boy girl. Um, you know, answers. I feel like you you make it more common. You bring it into the, the but you conversation. don't. Well, it, it not, can, at that moment, I'm only talking sure. about that moment. I think yeah. that it's absolutely fine. Yeah, of course. To say, and now, now we're going to bring you in. I'm going to play some EVPs for you. <laughs> <laughs> really, I get I mean, it. I, mean, I get that's, it. That, yeah. That's and so that threw me for a second because sure. And and somebody doesn't want to feel like they've. Uh, insulted you or put you in a position of having sure. to deal. Da, da, oh, da, da. Right. So th- I'm a communications guy. And I'm just <laughs> telling you that that's, yeah. that's no, interesting I, I to me. I understand. Because I, I think it's one of the things that stands 
or one of the, I don't know, speed bumps that mm-hmm. stands in the way of doing what you and I are talking about doing, right. getting these people to chill and realize. I do appreciate that it can create uh, an obstacle, um, but I also I also don't um, like to broadcast uh, about my children too much. Oh, I understand you know, that. I understand that. Private, yeah. I understand so, that. Yeah. But that's, a, that, that's so it's a little bit, yeah, a little off awkward. the thing I was talking about, sure, but I understand. Yeah. No, I get it. Sure. So, um, so uh, what do you do for a living? I'm an analyst, which is ah, uh, sounds boring. What kind? Um, it's I work in uh, safety analytics, so I'm actually um, I read a lot of uh, court transcripts and police reports and things like that. Um, to find threats to safety to individuals. I can't really say too much more than that. It's um, well, you're gonna tell me generally. You can sure you can't because it's it's a, it's, it's a gig you have. Sure. Well, sure it's, you, you don't have to tell me anybody's name. <laughs> sure, sure. I'm no, gonna, it's, no. Um, I, mean, I work I mean, for. How would it be? How would I use your service? Let's say I'm an attorney. How would I use your service? Well, I work for a website, okay. and uh, basically I screen people to make sure that they don't pose a risk to other members of the website. That's. Yeah. Simple. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty simple, but yeah. it's it's very interesting work. Yeah. Yeah. When you tell people you're an analyst, they go they kind of glaze over a little bit. But I'm actually analyzing, you know, mm-hmm. kind of important data. Have you decided I'm a, I'm a danger to everybody by being <laughs> on the radio? Um, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a gray area. It's, yeah. It could go either way. I understand. <laughs> um, now, you're waiting. You've already had your your hearing quote mm-hmm. hearing quote. Uh, and you're waiting for this thing to move on. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and will there be specific goals that the um, diversity committee will have over and above somebody coming to them? Um, yeah, as far as we understand, the diversity committee's uh, mission will be proactive in nature to look for ways where they can reach out to underrepresented um, groups and communities and and find ways to help lift them up um, with regard to things that, for example, the ACHR is not tasked with, um, say, like commerce, small businesses, things like that, and, and helping um, these underrepresented communities uh, access, you know, information regarding uh, health care because there are huge gaps in, um, you know, in health care for black and brown communities. And, um, understanding what you know government programs are available if you say do have a small business or need assistance with housing and things like that um so a diversity committee could be you know incredibly vital and would be incredibly vital to bridging the gap that currently exists to reaching out into these underrepresented communities we're going to take a break and when we come back we've got more with stephanie elliott she's the chairperson for the attleboro human rights commission and I am being, uh, what do you call that? Oh, yeah, educated. Thank you. All righty, <laughs> me on the radio. And uh, I've broken a rule that I never do. Uh, you, you know, I have a rule, uh, mm-hmm. Stephanie. We we just broke it. Oh. And um, <laughs> uh, it's going to cost you. I'm going to fine oh, you. That's okay. No, I, I, I have a, a standing rule, mm-hmm. I guess, that I don't talk to them while we're off the air. Oh, no way. I mean, about what we're talking about. Amazing. In other words, like, we can talk about, oh, a nice sure. weather. Huh? Yeah. Because I'm afraid that 
something will get said that will be really great. And you'll miss it. <laughs> and it'll be gone. <laughs> yeah, right. But right. We, we were so into this, we yeah. were talking off the air. And um, So this wasn't too bad being on, right? No, this was very nice. Yeah, I appreciate yeah, the time yeah. and the opportunity. Now, you need to know that um, this... First of all, the show's archived, so you can go listen to yourself. Oh. See what a good job you did Thank you. next week. <laughs> It'll be on. And you can't the guy in the first out. Oh, <laughs> I can't wait. something clever. I can't yeah. wait to hear that guy. Yeah. Oh, no, you can't. It was great radio. <laughs> great radio. But um, I really hope that you're going, to, uh, you're going to be here more often. I would like to. Yeah, we have a lot of things that we're hoping that the council, the Attleboro, the, um, Attleboro Human Rights Council can be, mm-hmm. we're hoping that our profile can be lifted up a bit. We have a really amazing mission. And um, for a long time, you know, they, they've they operated kind of quietly. And um, we have a great council right now of very motivated and um, enthusiastic uh, counselors. And, um, Most and there's, cases. And there's opportunity to really get involved around the city, and uh, that's a big um, goal for me is to just let the city know that we're here to help. Please let us know how we can help you. Um, we have, uh, you know, Pride coming up in June. Um, if you are a vendor, you have a small business, you want to come out, bring your table and Where's your Where's that going to be? It's at the Balfour Riverwalk Park, okay. and it's uh, Sunday, what? June 2nd. Great. And if you would like to vend there, uh, reach out to us at attleborohumanrights at gmail.com, and we can answer any questions you have about... Attleborohumanrights you know, at, at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Any questions you have about vending permits and things like that, if you'd like to have a table at Pride, or if you'd just like to come and listen to the speakers, watch the flag be raised, and follow the parade to the park, that's great, too. Um, we're hoping we'll have some music this year and things like that. It's a small, modest celebration that Good. we're hoping to continue to grow every year. It's really important to the council. Yeah. It's a big... Um, well, the pride isn't modest, just the attendance might be a little bit, but yes, it'll be Yes, we're working on it. Yeah. It's it's a quiet... So far, it's been quiet, but we're hoping to um, continue to grow our pride celebration. Um, mm-hmm. We also have World Water Day. There's a cleanup um, co-hosted by the... Um, the Friends of the Ten Mile River Watershed, um, Sunday, March second. Uh, sorry, Sunday, March twenty fourth. Missed my paper there. What's that for now? Um, it, we're going to be just cleaning up along the waterway. Oh yeah, um, okay, you yeah. know, just yeah. you know, picking up. Yeah, Delicio is always like out there with Ryan. I know they're always doing it. It's going to be that'll be nice. So yeah. those are our two uh, events coming up. But yeah, if any vendors would like to participate in Pride, we are we are here to listen. We would okay. love to have you. Yeah. And that's, again, the website is? It's a, an email address, attleborohumanrights at gmail.com is how you can reach Attleboro us. Attleborohumanrights at gmail.com. gmail.com. If you have a concern, if you have a question, if you need our help, you can reach out to us there. Um, you know, if you have any concerns whatsoever that you think that we might be able to assist you with, please reach out to us. Okay, I'm going to ask you this question. This is just... Um, if I have a child, mm-hmm. uh, or if I am a child <laughs> listening to the show, mm-hmm. and I think maybe our child, my child, is struggling and dealing with f- trying to figure out who they are. Thank you. Mm-hmm. What's the best way to start? Where can a child find some help if the parents are not? 
tuned in yet or they're afraid to talk to the parents. Sure. Or if the parent cares, how is the what, what's the best way to help a child? Um, when it comes to being part of the LGBT community, is that? Just, just, yeah, I mean, okay. I mean it, it, I, I'm going to tell you, you've sure. been through it. <laughs> you've been through it. You know what I'm talking sure. about, where, where somebody is trying to figure out mm-hmm. what it is about them. If it's, you know, they're, they're told, you know, I mean, they don't fit in, or right. you don't like this, or why don't I like this? Why mm-hmm. aren't I attracted to that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I understand. Yeah. Okay, well, there are so many um, organizations um, out there that specifically exist in order to uh, aid in, in um, people's, you know, quest to find like-minded individuals and and to become part of a community um if you hold on one second i can give you a few names i'm Mm -hmm. just looking it up right now um there are plenty of even on free social media um there are um pages like safe space uh underscore vids um rainbow history class um that just you know, can give you mm-hmm. information and, and a sense of community and belonging because they. But how about like okay? That. That's good. But, but how about what's my first step? I'm fourteen, thirteen, and 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 I'm having these. So sure. Where can I go? Uh, the social media thing is, I think. I would say for a teenager. Of steps up. No, I would say for a teenager, social media is probably the very first step they're going to look okay. toward because you can do it quietly. You can do it privately. And as a parent, if I have a younger child who's I don't know, whatever, um, shows the classic signs of, <laughs> of, of being gay. Well, there's, there's PFLAG, P-F-L-A-G, is okay, an organization yeah. for families. Right. Um, there are also plenty of um, magazines like Boston Spirit Magazine and things like that that have, like, online. PFLAG, I'm, I'm familiar yes, with. Yes, that's I, a know. pretty famous one. Yeah, okay. Um, there... It, it's just it's really about googling to find out what your specific needs are but i'd say p flag is a good start for pretty much any family um, okay. they they've been around for a really long time they have enormous amounts of of resources articles yes. and uh, and other access um but uh it's i think the first step is just don't don't believe what they're telling you <laughs> Say that again. Don't believe what they're telling you. Well, don't believe what who's telling you. The society, the religious organizations, there's nothing wrong with you. You're fine. Mm-hmm. Find your community. Find your people. It gets better. You're going to be all right. Mm-hmm. You just got to keep going. The world is better with mm-hmm. you in it. I might also suggest to parents uh, or grandparents, for that matter, um, to let these children know that, as you said, just fine mm-hmm. but that we know you're just fine exactly we believe in you we accept who you are it really is that simple um, honestly yeah you know uh one of the issues we you know you, you experience all the time are the older generations rejecting um the young people who are you know part of the lgbt community and honestly how is that how is that serving you you know just just love them for who they are it's really that simple and so and this was the other thing about nick i could because nick happened to be straight and he had a girlfriend and mm-hmm. la, da, 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 and yet he was so so concerned about yeah. this and i have always said this even before he passed um of my kids um your job just keep breathing 
mm-hmm. we'll take care of the rest. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right? Exactly. And and that's what we need to know that that, that they're fine. Mm-hmm. That, and even if you as an adult, whoever you are, and you've got a grandchild or you've got a child, and you're having trouble with it, shut your mouth and help. Exactly. I mean, look at their face. They're still the same person who you've, you know, been with and loved and yep. spent your holidays with and yep. spent birthdays with. They're still that same person. Just love them for who they are and and let go of everything else. In my in my real stupidity over life, although I, I think it hangs. Years ago when I first started in, in talk radio, mm-hmm. my, my, in this conversation came up, of course it was a different, <laughs> it was a much different series of conversations. And I used to say, why do I care if my best buddy sleeps with a blonde or a brunette? <laughs> exactly. How do I care? How does it affect what's you? It, what's it got to do with me? Yeah, exactly. Nada. Nada. Exactly. Yeah. And um, it's, it really just, it, it really is that, that easy. You know, you just... No, redhead, I want to know about but, <laughs> No, <I'm> so. <laughs> <laughs> No, but about, really, I mean, this is... I could never understand it. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's been passed on from upper generation to our kids. Well, it, it still exists, unfortunately. There is still that that barrier. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then it comes down to who you're allowing yourself to be influenced by. You yeah. know, are you allowing yourself to be influenced by... Um, you know, your pastor or your, you know, your political leader or, you know, who, who, who gave you the opinion that there's something wrong with this person, this child, this, you know, cousin, uh, your neighbor's kid? Who, who told you that there was something wrong with them? And why do you believe that ideology over, you know, the little voice in your own heart that tells you? Yeah, I mean, just, in, just in, 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 let them be who they are. In Scripture, uh, you know, it said, Jesus said, suffer the children unto me, not make the kids suffer because of me. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> People need to know that was kind of, they, re- mm. they misread a couple of things in there. Um, and, and I think it's very important. Even today, even in 2024, um, it, it's not such a different world. It's yeah. just the kind of, unacceptance mm-hmm. and the way people express this mm-hmm. it's it, more severe it perseveres yeah yeah do you get tired of always in the back of your head constantly trying to get acceptance for yourself um, on top of the people around you sure. and you you see the faces and absolutely you hear the comments it is exhausting um because you know i'm not hurting anyone just being who I am, and um, the people that I love are not hurting anyone, just being who they are. And it really just comes down to everyone literally wakes up and has breakfast and gets dressed and pets their dog and, you know, and the same thing that that you do. So why are alone. you so yeah. mad? What's your problem? <laughs> yeah, let well, it it's, go. it's not mad. You know, it yeah. isn't mad. It, it is what I talked about earlier. It's fear. Sure. And I don't know why the hell anybody is afraid. Just, I don't. I'm yeah. not getting it. it. I think you have to. It, it comes down to when you, if you let the fear, be the narrator, of your existence. You know, instead of leading with love or leading with compassion, um, if you lead with fear, if you lead with judgment, 
um, that's probably going to color a lot of what you're doing and not just in regard to, you know. And, and, and it's not contagious, even though I did insist that you wear a mask here today. <laughs> what are you talking about wearing a mask? Right? Yeah. Um, you know, I am really glad that you came today. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, it's important that people have someone to hear that knows what they're talking about. Yeah. It's important that people hear, people on the air, who care enough about the community to make the contribution you're making. Yes. It's very important yeah. to, uh, that you put yourself out there. It's yeah. great. And it's basically I needed community, so I went out and looked for it. And now I'm in the community, and I want to create even more community for the next person who needs sure, it. Sure, of course. And that's, and that's what you do. You find it, you realize you know, how much better your life is for it, and then you leave the door open and let the next person come in and welcome them the way you were welcomed. Mm. And it really does make a huge difference in your personal happiness and your personal well-being. It's, um, it's kind of like finding a garden and adding different mm -hmm. flowers. Just keep planting. To it, right? Yeah. And making, making it more beautiful and more. Exactly. More different varieties. Exactly. And Bingo. <laughs> And I and I noticed all oh, your tattoos. I gotta tell oh. you, I can't. I can't. I am too fickle. You know, as soon as I hear, yeah. oh wait a minute, no, I I want the rose. Yeah, I changed my mind. I changed my mind. I hear that a lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing, you know, because uh, because some, I, when my son one time wanted to get a tattoo, my son uh, David wanted to get a tattoo, and I say, oh no no no, you you're too young to decide what you want on this. You're too young. <laughs> And I and I said, remember New Kids on the Block, David? Remember oh, New Kids on the Block? They were a great band. Well, that, well, well, he got so angry with me. Come on, I don't know. I, yeah. But you were so excited. Imagine if you were getting New Kids. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know? True. <laughs> well, now it's nostalgic. You know, you got it then. It's cool. Oh, I see. But it's uncool. Oh, now it's nostalgic. So you have to put on your back from the past, from the past. Exactly. Yeah, you just look at it in the mirror. Boy, uh, this has been fun. Please yes, thank come you. again, okay? Of course. And uh, make sure you let me know what's going on. I will. And if there's anything I can do just to talk about, if you haven't got time to come in, I'll be sure. glad to plug anything I can. Great. Uh, when I get back, I'm going to check my calendar. I hope I'm open June 2nd. I want to come to the Pride thing. That'd be great. I do a lot of shows on the weekend, so sometimes I can't. But okay. It's uh, in the afternoon, so I think you'll probably yeah, be able to Yeah, make I it. might be able to sneak over. Well, it yeah. depends. Mine are out of town a lot uh, of times. Yeah. People in town throw me up. Um, Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate right. the time. Great. Uh, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, uh, we're going to be talking with, uh, uh, what's his name? Oh, yeah, Eric Ersling. Uh, Eric is uh, with the um, River Phoenix Peace Building Commission, and we're going to talk about what he does and what this commission does. It's international. I think you'll like it. Stay with us, okay, because we're doing all that we can now. There's a nice man it's going to tell you what you're listening to. Go ahead, Bob. Let them know. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Final Hour Candy Company. This is John Lennon and Give Peace a Chance. And my guest in this hour is Eric Essling of the River Phoenix Center for Peace Building. Hello. Hi, Eric. Hey, hey, Dave. How you doing? We're on the air. This is Eric Essling, who's with the um, River Phoenix uh, Center for Peace Building uh, on the air with us. And I got a little, got a little piece, give peace a chance for you for the day. <laughs> 
One of my favorites. I'll bet. Now, uh, <laughs> talk to me a little bit about I did not know about your uh, organization uh, until just recently. Uh, tell me about it. Well, uh, the River Phoenix Center for Peace Building is based here in Gainesville, Florida. That's where you know I'm, I'm calling in from or taking the call from. Uh, we work in community in what we call community-based peace building. So we're looking at, you know, how do you build peace at the community level? In people, in relationships, um, in interpersonal conflict, and then more broadly in, in communities and in neighborhoods. Um, we believe that, that peace kind of ripples out from the bottom up. And so if we can give people the skills and the strategies to engage in conflict constructively, um, that we can make a difference in our own lives and our lives of others, but even more broadly in the lives of our community and maybe even in our world. So uh, that's our mission. I don't that's know, Eric. Need. Sounds pretty woke to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it might be a little woke. Yeah, there you, but, there uh, you go. What, <laughs> what time did you wake up, as they say? Um, you know, it's interesting <laughs> about this because I can hear people going, oh, give me a break. But there really is the possibility ongoing for us to have more peace and consideration for each other. But we need to want to do it, right? Yeah. I mean, that's right. And I mean, it, you know, I, I honestly can, can totally understand people rolling their eyes when they hear peace because it sounds like such a utopian thing. Yeah. Right. But, but one of the, one of the benefits of kind of my work and, and, you know, our, my role in our organization is that I get to see it happen every day. You know, I get to see people, you know, uh, come together after a misunderstanding. I get to see people um, see each other in a new light or be able to see someone's perspective in a different way. And, and those little moments, you know, that's for us, that, those are huge. Those are huge wins. And, um, and so, you know, peace doesn't have to be this, this monumental shift of the world, you know. Like sometimes if you're, if you're like me, you know, growing up, I thought about peace often as like, you know, in the UN, you know, these two countries who've been at war for years and years coming together and signing some agreement, and now they're at peace, right? But the truth is, peace is, that isn't what peace really is. Peace is really about how do we grow our capacity to, to kind of navigate through conflict with each other. Well, it's interesting because you're, you're, yeah. you're from, you're in Florida. I mean, uh, that's the epicenter of so many things going on now within this country. Uh, that is yeah. causing so much conflict and and danger to all of us. Um, how yeah. do you do it? What what do you do first? Give me an example of of how we start opening some communication. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it starts with just kind of a willingness, right, to kind of see people's humanity. I mean, I think I think that when we find ourselves in conflict, a lot of us have been kind of programmed, if you will. To kind of, uh, you know, just through our own experience, I mean, uh, to either just run away from conflict or, or we do engage with it, but we make it worse, right? And so part of, part of what we're really interested in is, like, if you have a willingness to just kind of engage, to lean in when there's a conflict, right? To recognize, wow, we have a difference here. There's something majorly different in the way I see things and the way you see things. But instead of kind of jumping down your throat, kind of leaning in with curiosity and, and really trying to understand another person's point of view. It doesn't mean you have to agree with it by any means. You know, it's not, we don't have to create agreement all the time, but like, but just a willingness to say, you know, you're a human being. You came to this position that you have for some reason, 
that's obviously different than how I came to my opinion. And so I, I want to know kind of why you believe what you believe and what's really most important to you. Because I bet that on some level, when we get down to what's really, really important to us, there is some level of, of a shared experience or shared perspective. But it kind of takes getting out of our position and really kind of looking below the waterline with each other a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that takes some willingness, I think. Now, now w- tell me this. Uh, how, why is it named for River Phoenix? Yeah, so uh, the River Phoenix Center for Peacebuilding um, was founded um, by uh, Hart Phoenix, who is uh, River's mother, yeah. and Jeffrey Weisberg, um, who is our executive director. And they, they, they founded uh, this organization in River's honor about 12 years ago, 12, 13 years ago now. Um, and really, you know, they, they've been involved in, in peace activism and peace work for a long time. And really their interest was like, how do we honor River's memory by bringing some of these peace practices that we've grown and developed and figuring out how we share them in our community? You know, uh, right on our website, we have a, a quote from River that says, run to the rescue with love and peace will follow. And that's kind of the, 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 the message that we, we try to help lead our work in our community and, and in our lives, really. And, and run to the rescue with love and peace will follow. What is, yeah. that, what is the context of that? that it came yeah, well, I, I'll only speak for myself, but for me, what that means is, is I'm, that's really speaking to that willingness, right? Like when we see that there is uh, harm, when we see that there is conflict, when we see that there is division, you know, being able to kind of lean into that situation with a, a willingness to see someone else's humanity is the first step. And when that happens, you know, with some skills and some, you know, skills around communication and conflict resolution and all of those other things that I do believe that a new understanding can follow. And that is peace, mm-hmm. a new way of being in relationship. And, and uh, how did you get involved with this, uh, with this um, organization? How did you do this? Wow, you know, it's 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 kind of a really interesting long roundabout story. Um, but but I, I'll I'll just kind of start at the end, really. Um, you know, I I I knew Hart and Jeffrey um, before um, because of being involved in what was called the Peace Alliance, which was another organization. Um, but I went and studied um, peace mediation and conflict research in Finland. I got my master's degree in Finland um, in 2019. And so um, when I was finishing up my degree, I needed to do some research for my thesis. And, uh, and as, I, you know, as I was studying my degree, I was really learning a lot about you know, uh, peace building and peacemaking, especially on the international scale. And it really, it really occurred to me that peace happens on a person-to-person level. It really doesn't happen you know, on a country-to-country level. And so, so I became interested of like, how, how can I, you know, uh, find an organization which is working on that that um, more small scale, that community-based scale of growing peace. And I found the River Phoenix Center for Peacebuilding. Gainesville, Florida is my hometown, and that's where the organization is based. And so it just felt right. So I came to Gainesville, um, asked if I could uh, do some research um, on for my thesis on their work. And by the end of my internship and my, my thesis work, um, I started working there. Um, it's, and it's honestly... Um, you know, the, the, the 
a dream come true for me. It's just an incredible opportunity to be able to to work in some of these peace practices in my community, my home community. Now, what was it about you in the beginning, back further, that got you interested in this type of work? Yeah, so um, let's see. Well, growing up, um, uh, I grew up in a home uh, with, you know, where peace was kind of a topic at the dinner table. Um, you know, both my parents were ministers. My mother is still a minister. My father has since passed away. But, you know, peace, uh, love, harmony, these were words that just existed in my house. So it wasn't all that foreign to me. And around, you know, high school age, um, you know, you can imagine at this time we were uh, kind of uh, neck deep in the Iraq War. Um, you know, I became very interested in how do we how do we take these like incredibly difficult, violent conflicts that we see in the world and how do we create some sort of possibility for peace? And, and that's when I first got involved with the Peace Alliance, which was Hart and Jeffrey's uh, organization back then. And they were working on, um, at the time, they were working on the, this uh, uh, legislation to, to uh, create a cabinet-level Department of Peace. And, uh, and so there would be like, you know, your Department of Education, your Department of State, your Department of the Treasury, and then you would have somebody in, you know, out on the cabinet whose job it would be to kind of explore how can we create peace in community and peace internationally. And, uh, and I thought this was an excellent idea, and I started becoming active with the Peace Alliance, and, um, and even went to the, student, the first Student Peace Alliance Conference, where I got to hear uh, speeches from Arun Gandhi, the, the grandson of Mahatma Gandhi, um, I got to hear a speech from Betty Williams, who was a Nobel Peace Laureate um, working in um, uh, Ireland. And so I got to hear her story and just meet a bunch of young, other young people in the field, you know, who were also involved in peace activism in their communities. And, uh, and, and that really set me on a path. You know, I, I ended up studying philosophy in college and then, and then going to Finland and studying um, uh, peace mediation and conflict research. And so it, it kind of came back full circle because I ended back up in Gainesville um, after my time away. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that peace has always been a part of who I am. You know, I've always been the kind of person that is interested in helping people kind of see, come, come to some sort of uh, eye-to-eye understanding, you know, uh, be able to kind of um, work through or mediate some sort of conflict that's been bugging them or um, is destructive to their you know, family or the friendships or whatever it may be. And so it, it was always just a part of who I was, and, and, uh, and it's, a, it's a part of who I still am. We're talking with Eric Essling. He's with the River Phoenix Center for uh, Peace Building, and um, he's got quite a background. I've got a bunch of other questions for him. Uh, we'll take a quick break, Eric, okay? And Sounds we'll, good. We shall return, as they like to say. Okay. Eric Esseling is on the phone with us from the River Phoenix Center for Peace Building. And boy, um, there's lots of questions I have for you, Eric. And uh, one of the things, one of the notes that I have here is that um, although you're an international organization, really, um, you also um, have had some real success with law enforcement uh, Mm -hmm. in Gainesville, Florida. You reduced uh, juvenile arrests by 53% since uh, 2014. What, what is that about? 
Well, so we, we've had a partnership with our local law enforcement agencies, especially the Gainesville Police Department, um, for some time now. And, uh, and, it's, and really that number, that reduction, is uh, part of a broader um, effort in our local community to reimagine, um, you know, the way that law enforcement um, interacts with the community and especially with youth. Now, is this um, gang, so, gang stuff that you're talking about or just generally? Uh, it's more general. Yeah, okay, it's more yeah. general. I mean, th- there is what's called this idea of disproportionate minority contact, DMC. And we found that here in Alachua County, there was um, that young people of color were more likely to face um, interaction with the police, which can be very damaging and harmful to our community. So there was this effort to reimagine how police might interact with the community. And so part of the way we were involved with that was uh, by facilitating what's called police youth dialogues. So dialogue is one of our four key pillars of peace building, and it's really a process of bringing people to, uh, together to have an intentional conversation about something important. And, and so in our police youth dialogue sessions, we bring police officers and young people, and especially young people of color, together to have a conversation about their perceptions of each other, um, their fears of each other, any stereotypes that may exist and um, kind of perpetuate a lack of trust between those two communities, and then talk about their issues and concerns that they have and how they can, through conversation, reimagine the nature of that relationship in the community. And they're incredibly powerful. We've done, I think, hundreds of these dialogues at this point. And, and every single one, you know, is, is just an incredible experience to see where there's this huge trust gap, you know, this huge trust gap in our community between law enforcement and young people. And especially, you know, I mean, not even especially, both ways. Young people don't trust the cops. Cops don't trust the young people. And this impacts the way that they treat each other. And so to be able to, to have them through conversation start to really see each other as human beings and complex and, and trying to, to, you know, do what's best for themselves and their community it really changes the dynamic of how they interact with each other in the community. It's valued, too, on, a, on another way. I mean, um, um, I'm, I don't know why I thought about this, but I, when you started talking about this one-on-one conversation, it starts with just finding common ground. And it made me think of um, President Biden's history uh, of being able to get bipartisan support for bills over the mm-hmm. over his whole career, I'm talking about as a VP, but as a, a senator, et cetera. I mean, being able to get to the other side is the question. It's the same thing, isn't it? Uh, where where the right and the left in Congress uh, have to find some common ground to get anything done. Yeah, absolutely. And and I mean that's true in in our communities, right? I mean, yep. we we <laughs> to get anything done in terms of bettering our lives for ourselves and each other, we have to be willing and able to communicate even when we disagree, actually, especially when we disagree, right? Because conflict is inevitable, right? Human beings are going to experience conflict. It's not, it's not anything new. It's not going away anytime soon. So, so the, the question then becomes, how do we engage with that conflict? How do we treat it as an opportunity to make something better tomorrow than we had today? Mm. It, it's in because I mean I could I could ruin your career I just make you 
live with me in an apartment for six months and you'd be giving everything up because I'd, <laughs> I'd have my dead body on the floor. <laughs> so, so, but but it, it is true that we, you know, we, we have so much trouble hearing each other. And, right. and, and, and then the other part is, in my opinion, is the inability to express it yourself. That, yeah. that, that talking is a big part of it. Uh, And so so many times I just had a really articulate woman on my show just in the last hour talking about the Human Rights Commission here in in Attleboro. And um, sure. And she was excellent in what she had to say. And we talked about the LBGT community and all the Chazarai they go through constantly. It, it, It really is a step by step by step process, isn't it? It is. Yeah, exactly. And so then it just becomes a question of what are those steps and what steps can we take? You know, what are the steps that each of us need to take in our own lives, um, in our own community, in our own families, in our own relationships, you know, to build that new possibility? You know, and and it's 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 not easy, you know, to be clear. It's not easy. Like you were saying, that communication piece is so important. Right. Because we're not that naturally skilled a lot of the time at being able to communicate, you know, in an effective way with each other. Or we're afraid, or we're afraid, in my opinion, what I know, but we're afraid to say what it is we do really feel. We're afraid to express that one thing. Well, I'm not going to say that. I'm not. Right. Right. Oh, no, I'm not saying that, you know, you know, and, and, and that blocks it, too, doesn't it? I mean, it's like a big elephant in the room, right? Definitely. Definitely. Well, I mean, you know, to, to, kind, of, to kind of expand on that idea, you know, one of the biggest, uh, one of our, another one of our four pillars of peace building is what's called restorative justice. And um, restorative justice, for anyone that doesn't know, it's, it's a process of bringing people together when there's been a harm. So some sort of harm has occurred. Someone is responsible for that harm and someone's been impacted from that from that harm. And so instead of kind of handling it in the traditional uh, punitive way of kind of just instilling a punishment on the situation, uh, restorative justice invites people to come together and have a conversation about what happened. What was the impact of what happened? How can we repair this harm now? And then what can we do to prevent this harm from occurring again? And, And to your point, that conversation takes a lot of courage. Right. One, it takes courage for me to even talk to somebody that's caused me a harm. Right. So that takes a lot of courage. But then it also takes courage for me to have a conversation with somebody I've harmed. Right. And so 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 peace is a courageous process. It's not something, you know, that. Yeah, it's not wussy. Yeah, it's not wussy. It's it's exactly the opposite. Yeah. Exactly. Uh Exactly. And so so we're really talking about. You know, I was. I, mean, I said that thing about woke. But I was laughing to myself driving in because I was going <laughs> to say that to you, because that's the misconception of being able to say, "Oops, wait a minute, I'm, I really am sorry," and yeah. get, and getting people to say, "I'm sorry," and meaning it, they have to understand what they did and also why it hurts them to do that. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And that's not easy to do. You know what that's called? That's called accountability. Mm-hmm. Right. Being, being able to be accountable. Right. That's, that's peace building, being accountable. But how do we do it? Especially in, you know, it sounds scary, 
right? When we say I'm going to be accountable, I'm going to make them be accountable to me. That sounds like a scary thing to say, but, but imagine a world in which we're all accountable to each other, mm-hmm. right? Imagine a world where we, we, we take accountability for the impact of our actions and we take, a, you know, we, we engage with some willingness to try to repair that impact when we cause harm. Mm-hmm. And, and it, and it really gets tough. And I mean, um, in all of your work, in all the things you've done, have you ever once in your in, 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 during a session thought to yourself, "Screw this, I'm I'm out of here." <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, no, I've uh-huh. never had that experience. But but what I will say, Dave, is that I definitely I think that you know I'm going for progress, not perfection, right? So so oftentimes. You know, even if we can just make one meaningful step, you know, hey, I never thought of it that way. You know, I need more time to think about that. Or, you know, um, um, I totally disagree, but I, at least I understand where you're coming from. You know, even little things like that are. Yeah, are, yeah, because that's the, the we're back to communication again, because being able to explain where you're coming from is really the first step for the, the, the offended person or the offender to be able to understand what you're saying. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Very important. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, so when we think about this idea of it happening one step at a time, then if we can take just one step, that to me is a win, even if it's not the whole mile, you know, yes. <laughs> I can take a break. And when we come back, I've got a question for you about something that happened today, and you can give me your professional observation on this. <laughs> I look okay. forward to that. Uh, me too. All right, hang on. We're talking with Eric Essling, and he's with uh, the uh, River Phoenix Center for Peace Building. Sounds like a big deal? Yeah, it is. I got news for you. All righty. You'll be on the radio till noontime. Um, we're talking with uh, Eric Essling from the River Phoenix Center for Peace Building and um, are you having a good time, Eric? Having a great time. And, and being like, managing director means that you're the guy that has to get up on Saturday morning and deal with me. <laughs> hey, <laughs> it's an honor. I'm really happy to be here. Uh, so this morning, I was uh, I started my show this morning, and I was talking about a bunch of things. And one of the things I talked about was uh, mask wearing during the um, COVID time, and now coming back, etc. And um, I got a call. I've been I've been in talk radio a long time, Eric. And this guy called up and he started to debate with me. And all of a sudden, he flipped out. <laughs> and he called me. Now brace yourself. He called okay. me. A, called me a liberal. Oh, jeez. He called me an ah word. And he gave me an invitation that I'm going to decline. But <laughs> but he just went nuts. And then he hung up. Yeah. That is not the kind of thing you're talking about. Is it? Yeah. Maybe it wasn't all that effective of yeah. uh, an interchange, it sounds like. Right, right. Especially when he hangs up, because right. that terminates the conversation. Right. Right. Sure. So what happens when you get somebody, seriously, when you get people who are just touch your button and just set you off? How how are some of the ways to control that a little bit? Well, um, I've got a, a few that come to mind, I'll say. For, first off, I think, you know, people, whether they're right or wrong, you know, not trying to put a judgment on that either way, no, yeah. uh, 
they 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 do feel like they want to be heard, right? I think that's a that's a that's a common thing. People really want to feel heard and understood. In fact, I think it's a it's a basic human need to feel heard and understood. And so when we feel like we're not, if anyone starts raising their voice, it's usually a clue to me that they're not feeling heard, right? So as a as a mediator, as a conflict resolution person, I will often take a little bit of a break and just say, "We really hear you loud and clear that this is what's really important to you." Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say about that? Right. You know, because that that's that's a way of kind of, you know, bringing down the temperature a little bit. On top of that, I would say that, you know, when we start kind of engaging in a conversation that's not going our way, we can start to move like our brain, like our actual brain chemistry can start to change. And we start moving into this like fight, flight, freeze mode. Right. You know, we, we like our, and when that happens, our thinking part goes offline we're not even really thinking anymore. We're not rationalizing. We're not thinking of consequences. We're not kind of engaging. We're not curious anymore. And so, so part of what I notice is when people start getting elevated, one of the things we can do, one, some self-awareness, when we recognize that we're becoming a little elevated, we can take some strategies to, to bring kind of a thinking part back online. So that's like just maybe some things as simple as taking a breath of, uh, you know, asking a, a clarifying question of just kind of, bringing that that engaging that thinking part of our brain a little bit but then with that said i would say that you know a facilitated conversation is often preferable to just a one-on-one right especially when there's a major disagreement and that's where you know organizations like ours can really come in is like providing a space where people can have a facilitated conversation when they disagree because a facilitator has the ability unlike someone in the conflict a facilitator can help to kind of pull a thread and say, hey, it really sounds like this piece is really important to you and that you really want this heard and understood. Is that, is that right? And, and one of the ways that we can even do that is sometimes people aren't as good at communicating what it is that they need as a facilitator can be at like recognizing that need and bringing it to the surface. Because oftentimes when people see the need, it, it, it changes the dynamic of the conversation. Now it's no longer me versus you, but there's this need in the space that needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. And so, so that kind of changes the way an argument can, can progress. Now, I wasn't there for your conversation with this gentleman about, uh, you know, whatever it was that you all were talking about. But, but I wonder if he was feeling, um, you know, like his, what he was trying to say wasn't getting across in the right way. Or not oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, but I, you know, it was it was just interesting. But I, I'm I'm fascinated to hear that you, you guys certainly have um, ways of approaching this kind of stuff. Um, that is it in? I know you do training, right? You train people. Oh yeah. To do this. Yeah, we let's talk about. We it. certainly do. Yeah, yeah, we certainly do. We offer training in really all of the four key areas of our of our the four pillars of our work. You know, so we offer a lot of restorative justice training, some conflict coaching training. Do you do? Excuse me. Do you do? Do you do anything in corporations? Do do you do do any kind of uh, corporate stuff? Do yeah. Okay. We we definitely do. We we have definitely worked with uh, like large scale departments who are having some conflict dynamics that they're working through. Um, We've definitely worked with you know training law enforcement, um, not necessarily on you know, kind of working through a conflict, but just kind of with some of these strategies and skills. 
We also worked very closely with schools, especially in our local context, you know, bringing some strategies to educators because behavior can be really tricky. And especially now, um, as I'm sure your listeners know, in Florida, schools are kind of often the epicenter of, you know, some of these culture war dynamics, right, where a lot of these things take place. And so um, being able to bring some new possibilities for community building, for power sharing, for conflict resolution to those spaces is really, really impactful. In fact, we have a really, really big training that we offer about once a year coming up. It's our Peace Builder Immersion Training. And so this one would be in person. It would be uh, like a live-in uh, training program. So it's, it's, it really is immersive in that way. It's nine days. Um, it's from May 17th to May 26th. And, and it's really an opportunity for people from all over the, the country and even the world to come together and, and train in these four key areas of community-based peace building. So they get to know each other really well. They, they do a lot of personal work, interpersonal com- communication and conflict resolution work, and then community-based uh, peace building uh, uh, practice work. And, and it's, it's really intended to give people the tools and strategies that they need to go back into their community and help to facilitate new possibilities for, for peace um, in whatever context they occupy. What do you think, um, if you were going to be pressured into giving me, I don't know, three or four points maybe, that, that you find to be the most common frustration, the most common angst that people feel generally from all that you've been exposed to, what are the, what's the commonality what do you think it is? Mm. Well, I, I, you know, it's hard to say. I mean, what I would say is, and I think it's an important question, but I think what I might say is that, you know, I think at the, you know, behavior, the things we do is really often just an expression of trying to get some kind of universal human need met. Now, our behavior may not always be the best strategy for that, for that need, but it is a strategy. And I think that when we can start to recognize that in ourselves and in others, it changes the way we kind of see or respond to really, really difficult or harmful behavior, right? Because if we start to recognize that it's a strategy to meet a need, well, the need is kind of non-negotiable. And so then the question just becomes, what is, what are you trying to get met by doing this thing, by acting in this way, by talking in this way? Is it, is it that you're trying to get some respect? Are you trying to get some, some, some uh, clarity? You know, are you trying to exercise some control over the space? What is it that you're really trying to get out of this? And I think if we can start to broaden our horizon in that way and really, you know, it's almost like think of it like an iceberg. You know, there's the tip of the iceberg. That's what we all see. But we're all walking around with experiences and needs and even trauma and all kinds of things underneath our waterline that inform the way we relate to the world. Mm-hmm. And so if we just bring a little bit of curiosity to the situation about what's going on, not only below the ice, the waterline for ourselves, but what's going on below the waterline for other people, um, especially when we find ourselves in conflict with them, I think it changes the way that we even think about how we should engage with that person. One of the, um, one of the things I would have suggested or thought about and have thought about for a long time uh, when it comes to discrimination and it comes to uh, people not accepting others, et cetera, I would have expected yeah. you to say that that the the core problem is fear. 
Fear yeah. of all the things that you've listed. Yeah. Fear of not being heard. Fear of not being taken seriously. Fear of being left out. Fear of whatever. Fill in the blank. Right. And and it seems to me that in trying to get peace, as I look at things, because you're trying to get peace from people who are on whatever level level causing a chazarai going on here. Yeah. Th- those people are the fearful ones. And yeah. trying to diminish their fear and reassure them in that way would be a big step, no? I, I think that's a great point, Dave. I think it absolutely is. And I think that if we find ourselves fearful in a fearful state, you know, I think that I think it's very connected to kind of what I was saying too, which is that I think that that happens when our needs are going unmet, right? Like if I if my if my human needs are going unmet, then I'm going to be much more suspicious. I'm going to be fearful. I'm going to be defensive, right? Because I have to protect, right? I have to protect what's mine. I have to protect what I have left. Mm-hmm. And um, and and that is a state where we're not really in full, you know relationship with each other right there's a separation there there's there's distance there's a a break in connection and so um so yeah i think fear is such a powerful motivator in in how we interact with ourselves and with our world and so yeah how can we bring some uh, i don't know some assuredness to people Mm -hmm. i think it's a great question well i i'm fascinated by what you're accomplishing and it and it really is something i mean you're doing you're uh, doing all kinds of uh, international. You've got what over 300 international practitioners and students uh, working with the U.S. State Department. All of the things that you're doing is really terrific. Um, yeah. And and uh, you must be very proud, very pleased, huh? Uh, absolutely. I mean, and and humbled, frankly. I mean, you know, you're speaking right now for. Go ahead. Yep. Right. Right now, just for example, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I, yesterday I was on a call with a group of people in Uganda who um, are refugees from South Sudan, and they are working with our organization right now to be trained in restorative justice strategies that they can use to build peace in their refugee settlement um, context. And so, you know, I feel humbled and, and inspired every day. You know, these, these, these are... It's just that reminder that we all have a role to play. Um, and no matter what, what our situation, no matter what our context, we all have a role to play in creating peace in ourselves, in our families, in our friendships, in our neighborhoods, in our communities. And it's just on us to figure out what that role might be. But I think we all have tremendous power to affect positive change. How does uh, somebody get hold of you? Well, you can definitely come to our website. It's really easy, centerforpeacebuilding.org. It's a great place to find, you know, sign up for our newsletter. Um, you can also email us at info at centerforpeacebuilding.org. Um, but, yeah, please check out our training programs and check out some of the work we're doing. Uh, we'd love to hear from people. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you will. It, it's, uh, it's fascinating work, as I said, and I was thrilled to be able to get a hold of you and and ask you to be on. You, you, you've done good, Eric. Well, thank you, Dave. Right back at you, sir. Uh, we're real, really appreciative of you being on. I'd love to get you on again. Listen, when you have some other major projects going on or small stuff you'd like to talk about, 
the, my phone's always on. Love to have you call in and or we'll talk and set something up and we'll do it again. That sounds great, Dave. I look forward to it. All right. Thank you very much, sir. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was the River Phoenix Center for Peace Building. Check it out. You'll learn more and maybe feel a little better. Give peace a chance. All we're saying is give peace a chance. Um, the River Phoenix Center for Peace Building in, uh, in Florida. Uh, internationally, of course. I know, I know, I know. You think, oh, come on. That can't possibly be. I don't know. I think, uh, I think it can be. I think it can be. I know it can be. And I know all that we need to do is decide that we want it. And it starts with understanding each other. It starts with accepting each other. It starts with with listening to each other and learning something from each other and understanding why people have the angst that they have. When we spoke with uh, Stephanie today, by the way, you can contact her and the Attleboro Human Rights Commission at attleborohumanrights at gmail.com. Attleborohumanrights at gmail.com. There are so many places, so many people, so many members of our society we have a problem with. Those addicted to drugs, those that are gay, those that are of color, those that are, oh, I don't know. People who, who, who think they need an abortion and people who want to have a child and you have people in charge, for instance, who want to stop parents who are desperately working hard and paying thousands and thousands of dollars to be parents. Couples who are, are just doing everything they can to have a, have a baby, have their own natural baby. Now, there are tons of places. There's adoption, there's forced to care. But why is it the government's job to, to be involved in any of this? It isn't. And if anything is going to be the, the death knell, if anything is going to be the death knell for, for what's going on, it 
it'll be what our government is attempting to do to women. It's their turn. Now all women, those that <laughs> are thinking about having a, a termination of a pregnancy and those who want to create life, they're both being told what they can and cannot do by people elected to office. What's wrong with this picture? What's wrong with this picture? I, I can't figure it out. It's confusing to me. And people doing this in the name of their God, whoever their God is, whatever their God is supposed to be, I don't know. It's astounding. And if you don't think the chickens are going to come home to roost, as my mother used to say, if you don't think that this is going to be something that's not going to be very successful for the people who are sticking their nose in this, the elections are coming. And not only women in our country, by the way, not only women, but men are seeing the injustice and the futility and the foolishness and the stupidity of all of this. They'll be voting with their wives and their girlfriends and their, and their mothers and their daughters and their nieces and their cousins. They're all going to be voting. They're all going to look at this foolishness and realize how unlawful it is, how terrible it is. And the world is going to come home to roost. The problem is going to come home. We never decided, we never realized that, you know, this thing about you know, women's health problems have far more to do with than, than, than terminating, terminating a pregnancy. And with the rules and the laws that are being suggested by places like Texas and others, putting these people in danger of losing their own lives cannot continue. This is, listen, this is, this is practicing medicine without a license. These people don't get to say who gets what. They don't get to say, okay, you can have this treatment. Okay, you can do this. And they don't get to steal the embryos that are owned by a woman and her husband who created them. They don't get they don't get to do that. 
This is so horrible. And the repercussions for this, I am predicting for you that the repercussions to all of this are going to be astounding. I mean astounding. It's all coming down. Little by little, it's being chipped away. Little by little, people are realizing that they can't do what they think they can do. Ah. One of these days, they'll learn. And it'll be a day, I think, in November. Yeah, that'll be the day it'll happen. In November. Boy, I can't believe that we've gotten to the end of this. Boy, uh, this thing flew by for me. <laughs> I'm still laughing about the first hour. Okay, boys and girls. <laughs> ah, my thanks to you for uh, being with me for these three hours. Uh, I want to thank the caller in my first hour for flashing me back to great old radio. <laughs> uh, Stephanie Elliott from the uh, Attleboro Human Rights Commission, thank you. She did a great job talking about all of this. We'll see lots more of her and hear more of her, I hope, on this show. And then, of course, uh, Eric uh, Esteling from the uh, River Phoenix Peace Center for Peace Building. I know it sounds like, oh, oh, give me a break. I'm telling you, something can happen, and I know it will. Maybe we got to start listening more and talking less, right? And when we do, we will learn that in the end, boys and girls, the love that you take from this world is equal to the love you make in the world. Thanks very much for being with me. See you again tomorrow morning, uh, Saturday morning, 9 o'clock. <laughs> Be the good Lord willing and the creek don't rise. What day is this? Four Deep Sports is next. I don't know why they bring these kids in. I still don't. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Where's my, my wallet? Here somewhere. Hold on.